Brilliant. you know so like you, you know when you want to do more like that's when you know you're enjoying it you know you need to you know and this is for all people with marathoners the thing is it's not about looking at anybody else's training it's about figuring out what works for you like and like it's not about looking at the overall goal you know it's not like say looking at the 250 mark for the marathon at, at the end or the 240 or like you know breaking four hours or anything it's enjoying the moment the the process of it all the long runs everything like that it's enjoying it all you know and when if you can do all that and enjoy the whole process that's when everything comes together on the day that my friend was david flynn and this is the inspirational runners podcast hey everyone hope you're all progressing well my name is robbie marsh and i'm your host so welcome to the podcast we have one of Ireland's up-and-coming marathon runners on the podcast this week, David Flynn from Dublin, who recently ran 63 minutes 48 seconds in the Charville Half Marathon, passing through 10k in an astonishing time of 29 minutes 45 during the marathon build-up. He's one of the most focused runners I've had the pleasure of meeting, and after a few rocky starts, he's aiming on Dublin Marathon this year to show his true colours. He's not shy from putting in the work, topping 140 miles a week in training, and I'm excited for him coming into the race next month. Before we start, I'd just like to give a huge shout out to our sponsors Born to Run. Their award-winning winter series is back and registration is now open. So make sure you look out for the early bird dates by logging into their website or finding them on Facebook. The first race will be held in Minneburn, Belfast on the 2nd of November. If you're interested in learning how to improve your running ability, why not give David a shout on his Facebook or Twitter account as he ventures into the world of coaching. I won't hold you up any longer. It's with great pleasure I give you David Flynn. Yeah, I started, uh, I played for uh, Castle Knock down the road. So Castle Knock produces, uh, was a young club when I joined, so produced uh, footballers like Kyoko, Kyoko Kenny and... Uh, guys like that so um i was playing for them and i was playing for school and um in school we had a, a mile run that we did in uh, p every week and uh you know um i guess my just my competitive nature got into it i wanted to run the fastest time and when you ran the fastest time you got brought to the community schools races and then after that i started running well and then i won the community schools and uh, when i finished the race uh, Eamon Coughlin came up to me and he was like, you know. So the news, so like, yeah, right, right from the off, you had yeah, a solid yeah. talent to, for the running. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it hurling you played back then? Yeah, and a bit of football, but mostly hurling, yeah. Nice. Did I read a story somewhere about your last sort of hurley game? Yeah, so um, I was getting fairly good. I uh, kind of had a breakthrough uh, season. Um, I'd come uh, third in the All-Ireland Schools to uh, John Coughlin. And uh, my shoe fell off that day actually, but I still wouldn't have beaten. But uh, and then I came second to John Den in the World Cross Country Trials Junior in Sligo. Jeez. And um, it's quite a big thing back then too. Big like, thing, wasn't it? yeah, yeah. And I nearly, I nearly got him. Was that was, a surprise to you then, or you know, when you were first going to this cross country, so you just didn't really, you were just there competitive to win. Um. Yeah, I don't know if I was, like, I was training well, but um. Were you expecting to like sort of hit round podium sort of place? Yeah, it's just you know after all Ireland schools, I I thought I could be you know I could be up yeah. there you know, um. It was quite a big thing the all Ireland schools cross country, isn't it like? Big yeah, big deal like and like I had been nowhere uh, nowhere near it uh, at the at that time, 
And I think actually, I'm trying to think back. There was one year that I got a, I got a buy into the All Ireland schools through the Leinsters because I was sick, and that could have been the year. But uh, I was running well. I I joined Clonliffe Harriers and I was getting like a routine, of training in like um, like we didn't do anything crazy, but we were like consistently, meeting up and just doing like you know, uh, fat legs and stuff like that yeah. like, and um. But it did help you obviously then getting a bit of structure at such a yeah, young age. Yeah, and we had a really good group, a really good group uh, that helped big time. We had like um, a bunch of guys that were like coming top three in their age group um, in all Ar- in all Ireland back then, like uh, younger and my age. Um, and they were winning. I was just a year out, so they were their team was winning everything, Dublin's, all Ireland's and stuff like that. So those guys helped a lot because... We were all very competitive, like. Yeah, it's important to have those type of people around you, like, isn't it? Like, yeah, it really, yeah. really brings it on. Yeah, that's right? that. That was it, you know. And uh, I just remember there was a, a great rivalry with Saint Malachy's, uh, through our whole kind of time as well. Um, like I remember all the names, Ryan Faulkner, and then we used to run against, and uh, you know that kind of encouraged us as well as a team because like, we really wanted to be beat them. So then, um, after Sligo, um. The World Cross Country was in Mombasa and uh, the top two were supposed to go apparently and then they asked us, did we get our injections? And John didn't have any interest in going, but I did, but I hadn't gotten an injection, so we didn't go. So uh, um, after that then, um, let me see, I was still playing hurling then. This is when I was when things were getting a bit like serious, like where people were kind of like, okay, <laughs> you know, and, and the kind of uh, all that GA training of strengthened legs was kind of, gone because like i was running so much that i was starting to get like you know like that yeah. usual hit the hurl was around 10 times as as, <laughs> as harder so uh we were playing that is a tough game though isn't it like yeah uh, yeah yeah and in dublin you know uh, i guess it's quite it's quite uh it's very competitive in dublin and there's great depth you know as mm-hmm. well like you know so uh we were playing a game against uh saint mark's in Tala and um one guy just lost the plot and we were all around the ball and he smacked the smashed the hurl against my leg and then Jeez. the half the team just went up and like went in a circle around him and he just started crying like they didn't really <laughs> so after that then um the coach of the team Don't mess with me. which is one of my very close friends dad was like okay it's probably best uh mm. you stop this and then um because it can be career ending just there yeah and yeah that's the starts. realization of it then so then uh that was it then uh, for the hurling. But all my friends, you know, there's five or six of them that play uh, Division One, Division One, Division Two hurling still. So, like, I was still able to go watch them and still. Keep your fingers in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did that progress then from the schools cross country? Because you, when you uh, started running them, um, you moved into steeplechase pretty early, didn't you? Yeah. So, the steeplechase, and I don't think many people, I was just thinking about it. A while ago there how it got into me into the steeplechase i was i went to a house party with my friends just down the road here and we were drinking all night but i always like wanted to go to the Letics and the national league was on i don't think i'd ever been to a national league so i was planning on my friends would go past blanchardstown and pick me up on the way it was out in like uh somewhere in mead or somewhere like that somewhere somewhere mad and uh so like I'd gotten around two hours sleep, but you know when you're young, like it's no problem for <laughs> you then. So, 
I was there in the morning ready for excited for the day, you know, to get some fresh air and you know, you weren't getting hangovers back then. So I had me stuff on to go for a run in my bag and it was just an old bag that I had me stuff on last from my last session. So um off I jumped in the car there, you know, choking around, still half drunk going down the road and we get there and the fella that was supposed to do the steeplechase was injured. So there's me, you know. You know, anybody like over the age of I suppose twenty one would have like crept into the corner but me, no, I'll do the steeplechase and uh, looked in my bag. I don't think I have spikes but my cross country spikes were in there. That once it goes in the water, you might as well run them with two bricks on, you know? So then uh put them on and ran ran decent I can't remember the exact time but it was under ten minutes anyway at the time. And um uh then uh a few weeks after that then the round two league was on, which is a bit more serious because you know they combined them together to go to the final. And I was doing it again but the club captain picked the usual guy over me and I ran as a guest but I ended up beating him by like 15 <laughs> seconds and the commentator up the home straight was like oh the club captain made a big mistake today. <laughs> and then after he said oh yeah, sorry and everything like that so then I ran 9.30 then wow. so that's when things were getting a bit um, and more serious with it and then you know with a bit of help and then I started um, I took it up then so it was 2k steeple in the school um, I was yeah it's funny like any other year I would have won <laughs> any uh, uh, All-Ireland but Tomás Cotter had, was doing that as well and he was breaking Leinster records and I was just second and second to him uh, second in the Leinsters uh, second in the All-Irelands and then I moved up then to um, the 3k and then for a good while then I was getting the better of him Um. Because the 2K and the 3K steeple is a total, totally different event. Um, I had ran... Let me in see. what way is it different? It's just, just that like... The endurance of it? Yeah, speed can get you by in a 2K steeple. Uh, one example would be like uh, Noel Collins was a silver medalist at European Youths in the 2K steeple. But never converted to the 3K steeple in the times that he should have ran. So, so it shows you the effort that you're putting in, doesn't it? Yeah, that's you know, it. For an extra kilometre. Yeah. Like, yeah. That doesn't transfer across to that, like so. It just shows you the extra effort. Like, did you when you just rolled up that day, sort of half sideways from the night before? Like, have you done much steeplechase before that? Like, how how are you able to? No, it's just uh, coordinate getting over the hurdles. Yeah, it's just very coordinated in general. Like, uh, I I think like I used to do a bit of skateboarding when don't I was do, younger. Don't do this at home, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did a bit of skateboarding when I was younger. I went right, and really okay. strengthened the ankles up. I think that's what uh, helped me with that. So uh, and then um, that's actually a good a good way of strengthening the ankles. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't intentional anyway. So um, so after that, then um, scholarship offers start coming in then from America, and my I wanted to go to uh, <coughs> University of Arkansas, but I didn't get enough in the SAT to go to Division One. My maths was terrible. And uh, um, I'd gotten grinds and everything, but like it just, like I passed it, but it wasn't enough. And um, so I went to a Division Two school, um, called Western State Colorado, uh, eight thousand feet, uh, altitude up in the mountains, Jeez. in a small is, town is called that where the Western State One Hundred is, is it? Uh, yeah, not far. Yeah, so that's uh, 
uh, a small town called Gunnison, Colorado, and um, there is when things kind of took off. You know, I went over for, like very very immature, a lot of a lot of growing up to do, but um, um, there was a great team there. Um, we had a great rivalry with Adam State, which were just around a thousand feet lower than us, around two hour drive away, and um, yeah, I went from uh, nine seventeen to nine oh one. Uh, then to A fifty two, um, in the year and a half or so that I was there, that and must have been a big thing to get under the nine then. Yeah, yeah, happened. big, big thing. And you know, um, what we did was it was a school with a very, very low budget. You know, I'm talking about like, um, you know, you go on a Thursday and you'd come back on a fr- on a Sunday and you'd be getting like you know, twelve dollars fifty to buy all your meals. You know, that's the kind of budget it was. And um, <clears throat> you kind of appreciated things, you know, you weren't yeah. getting free shoes or any gear. And when you became All-American, which is like top eight in the country in track or top 40 in cross country, ASICs send you like a pair of shoes and a T-shirt or something. So like, <laughs> so like we were a real close group there. And um, fortunately enough, we had some really good steeplers. Um, uh, Flow Track did a thing on us called uh, Steeple U, they called us, because we had a... Uh, uh, five guys under A55 in the steeple at one stage which is like it's a cut above in division two but would be very good for any division mm-hmm. you know so that was good and um, I had recruited one of the guys that's still running I think he's run A28 now and um, um, eventually let me see I recruited a guy David Goodman was his name um, funny enough at an after party after national cross country I was like <laughs> yeah yeah come to us no problem and he actually did come in the end and he was on no scholarship and uh, the school had to give him money because he'd won the national title. I'd come seventh and uh, they were like, oh, wow. you know, I had done, I mean, I'd, I'd gone from 901 to 852, qualified for under European under 23s and everything like that. All American cross country and the head coach was like, um, I'll have to take a bit of your money and, and give to him because I was on full scholarship. And, you know, of course, back then when you're younger, I was like, well, take a bit of money and I'm going. Like, And then she thought I was joking, but I wasn't joking. Like, So then... Because uh, you weren't on that much to begin with. I either. was on... I was, I was. It was paying for school accommodation. Right, okay. And, and books and everything. You know, I wasn't paying for anything over there. But again, like, compared to Division One colleges, I wasn't on that yeah. much. So then um, uh, I was messaged around and I was always kind of talking to... Um, you know, wanted to go to Arkansas still, so um, sent him an email and we started talking once we got everything cleared and then I went to them then and then, so then I started with them, went to a totally different world, Division 1, like, they were Division 2 para, uh, powerhouse, we'd come second at Nationals twice uh, as a team, but this team that I came to Arkansas with was like, like, unbelievable, like, I mean, there was... Olympians left, right, and center, or like you know, Omar McLeod, world champion, hundred and ten hurdles, uh, you know, like Stanley Cabene who's uh, ran like eight oh nine in the steeple now, just unbelievable. And like instead of getting twelve dollars fifty, I was getting five hundred dollars, you know. So and what did that do for your performance then? Being yeah, around those people and getting that yeah, just support. yeah, just upped it big time and just kind of thought like it really turned me into like um a real professional attitude like you just mm. see the, the the way everybody goes about everything 
you know like the like at western state we had a physio but like he was nearly afraid to touch you like where at arkansas you had 10 physios and you were getting massages once a week and like everything was planned and you were looked after and you know the facilities we had like a really good indoor track did you feel then that you were you felt you needed to put more in because of everything that was that's it you? yeah yeah and like very competitive team so then i went to i broke an a50 then in my first season with arkansas and uh, ran like a13 indoors in a tactical race and things were going you know really well and uh, we had won my entire time there we had won every SEC conference so when you win three conference titles in the SEC uh, you know SEC is like you know University of Florida Missouri um, uh, Mississippi Mississippi State you know uh, LSU like big colleges we'd won everyone so when you win the three of them cross country indoor outdoor you get a triple crown ring and I have like I have two triple crown rings and then each for one of them and then we won one national indoor title as well what age were you when that was happening uh 20 22 or so and um yeah we just had a really really good team and uh loads of guys were, were coming in really good guys uh Kamoy campbell um who's ran like uh 13 10 for 5k he just announced his retirement because he's been having heart problems but he made like a world final for Jamaica holds the record, holds like six national. And what was going on back home when all this was happening? Like, was there any sort of awareness of this type of success or anything? No, no. In America, when you go to America, being Irish, like, you need to really outperform to be noticed in the okay. country. Like, if you're if you're staying or you're running for DCU and you're winning, uh, uh varsities, like you know everybody knows. You know, it doesn't matter what time you're winning, and people are knowing you. Or if you run, say. If you run a nine ten steeple in the intervarsities, everybody's like, geez, he's the best thing going there. And I run A50 over in America. They're like, oh, yeah, that was all right. But he's in America, <laughs> you know what I mean? There was no wind and uh, the track was downhill. And, you know, you know, so, like, that's the way the way it usually yeah. is in America. Like, you really need to run a good performance to get noticed. Because you are in a professional environment, like, mm. you know, and, and you're being looked after. And, you know, like... It's generally over there, even at all sort of levels from the schools like the difference in sport compared to here yeah it's just you know, you know it's... people just aren't aware of it and that's when when i finished college i really wanted to help people get over to irish athletes to get over to america so i started working kind of part-time for a, a company called over border and they um they sort out everything to get you over to america they what they do is they make up like a, a resume uh, and they put videos in and everything like that and they have a database of all the colleges of all the divisions and they sent it out and then you get all the offers back and then you help them out with the visas and everything like that so I, I got a few Irish athletes over there some are still Sounds over like there very rewarding sort yeah, of role. yeah so at that time when I was full flight in that I was living in Letterkenny um, I was uh, up there helping one of my friends uh, Darren McBurthy get back into shape so um. I was working on that a good bit and then I helped two two Donegal athletes get over who are over there now um, performing very well. Brilliant. So like that that's a very rewarding job and then I was getting a percentage of whatever they pay and stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's a lot of it is convincing Irish athletes, like a lot of them just the information isn't there. But I think now it's it's coming a bit more they're realising that like, you know, if you go to America and you commit yourself, you it's can really spring, start springboard like Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think it's a great transition uh, for Irish athletes and then they can come back and then they're more prepared for, you know, going to senior level and kind of, mm. you know, so. So what made you then move away from the steeplechase? Uh, so, um, with me in the steeple, like, I was I was training very well. So, like, one year particularly stands out to me. Me and Stanley Kimbeni, who had, who had ran... His PB is around 808, 809. Now he's gone to the World Championships for America. We were training together and running together. And, like, the steeple workouts we were doing over hurdles, like, I'm there with him for everything. Like, we're doing everything. And, like, you know, I knew he was in, you know, at least 820 shape, you know. So, like, I was thinking, worst off, I'm in 830 shape. And the coach was saying it. And everybody, it wasn't just, like, these people mm. saying it. So I do it. Like, we were certain of it. So... Then we went and raced and he'd run like whatever, like um I think we ran in Oregon. I came first and he came second. He ran in a windy race, ran eight forty five and I ran nine oh one and I was disappointed. But then after that I didn't run well again. Now there was a few things that could have could have happened to that. I had a very bad infection with a tooth that I didn't get uh, looked at at the time. But one thing was just like his form was so good, like his form was unbelievable and my form was just kinda like it was just I was just getting over them like you know mm. you know I wasn't stuttering going up to them but you know he had a very like elastic it just uh, wasn't flowing the way it should yeah yeah and then like my coach said like you know it just seems like there's a rusty bolt in there and I think maybe just all the years of me just doing what had to be done to get over instead of doing it like you know like I was doing hurdle drills but um, I just you know I just wasn't getting over as fluent he was resisting it a little bit mm. so like uh, I remember one day uh we were trying to fix my arms going over like so what we do is like uh, we put American football in one arm and we'd run and we'd jump over so so the arm wouldn't go flapping flapping up and that kind of helped a bit he used to tell me to, to point my uh, thumb down and would keep the, the arm from flapping up which did help a bit but by then after that season then I, I had a bad season uh, I, I made regionals but didn't make nationals I wasn't near my PB so after that then I was still like content and I still thought like you know good training and everything I'd finished college I was sick for around 10 months I had mono which is glandular fever okay. um, um, I wasn't I wasn't able to exercise like it was simple as that like I just got a real so bad how case how did you feel through that was that uh, so what happened was is uh, like like was did you f- like, like, no just, runner hates being injured for a yeah, start like yes. you know, was it that sense of I woke up every day and I just couldn't couldn't do anything like I was sleeping sometimes I was sleeping 15-16 hours yeah. like so once that got diagnosed like running was out the window um, my season was over I think I was even finished college then uh, I was finished like my, my athletic kind of eligibility there so like um, I found out that like when we were going on long runs we were all sharing drinks and I was always sticking on Stanley during steeple se- se- uh, season, like so me and him. So he'd be passing the drink back, we drink it, and I'd hand it or whatever. So him being African, he obviously doesn't get. Uh, right, okay. He didn't get it at all. Like he had boosted up, it. but I got a very bad. So anyway, um, then uh, my coach in Arkansas came up to me and said, "I think you'd be a really good coach. So I want you to be a volunteer assistant coach, and you can help out." with the men's and women's team so I helped them while I was off and just kind of lived a kind of normal college life like mm. for once I could yeah. go out and like enjoy myself without worrying to get up for a 15 mile long run so 
that was good, but I was still wrecked, like, you know. So, um, the coaching was good, and uh, I was doing very well with the coaching, and the next thing, I was starting to get these offers. So, I was going to go to um, New Orleans, University of New Orleans, were going to offer me a place, and I was going to be done with the running, and then, just before I was about to be done, uh, John McDonald, who used to be the coach of University of Arkansas, from Mayo, he's a very famous coach, yeah. called me into his office when I walked past one day and I told him the situation. He said, I think you should stick to the stick to the run. I think you could still very, do still do good at it. Very important sort of yeah, that door was, being open. Yeah, the door was just open and he was like, he has an office at the University of Arkansas, but like I say, he's in it like twice a year. Sounds and, like one of those crossroads in life. Yeah, know, yeah, I just, just walked by and he door. was in there and like, like sometimes I don't even know why I looked. <clears throat> To that direction but there he was in there and uh, so that was that then and then um, I joined a group in uh, California called Mammoth Track Club and uh, that's at also at 8,000 feet altitude and that's when um, um, I did one more season trying to steeple but then the coach up there Andrew Castor Dina Castor's uh, husband I said look we'll, we'll try the marathon after this and um, because she's an Olympian, isn't she? Yeah, bronze medalist yeah. in the in the Athens Olympics. So, so after that, then we we slowly started to so you surround yourself with great people. That's it. Yeah, I just seem to be drawn to uh, being around great athletes. But like at the same time, I've been around these great athletes. Like you know, like my best friend is a uh, is a uh, a guy from Belgium, Sofian Bouchiki, uh, of Moroccan descent. You know, he's around twenty seven forty, and Jeez. we've both gone to through the American system to two different colleges but but like just eventually like with the steeple I stopped progressing he kept on going in his event and I just felt like I'm around all these great people but I haven't great yet you know I haven't mm -hmm. done anything that seems to be you know so do you think it was embedding a mindset into you though even if your performance hadn't got there yet your your way of thinking and your I suppose your determination that was rubbing off them into you. Yeah, I like, think. Did I, you want what they have? No, I don't think I like. I suppose you'd have to interview them to get the, the proper answer with that. But I always wanted the best for them. Like you know, okay. you know, like I think the reason why me and Sophie and our best friends because we want the best for each other. Like you know, mm. like I'm as happy when he performs well than when I am when I perform well, and he's the same for me. So. <clears throat> with that then um I yeah sat down a good few times with uh, uh Andrew Castor and we and we agreed that the, the marathon would be a good slow gradual move you know because I was young enough uh kind of start with the half and slowly build up so I think I was what was I 27 when we started talking about uh moving up then so we did What year was that? So that was what 2017 Okay. I guess after the Rio Olympics anyway okay. is when um, we said we start uh, building up so were you excited by that sort of prospect um, I was excited <clears throat> but at the same time like um, when I went up to Mammoth um, I had spent around 10 months of not running and um, I tried to get back fit in Ireland but it wasn't working like you know there was nothing that could be done and uh, you know I went to Mammoth um not having him as my coach, I had no coach. Um, I I had a coach in Clonliffe, but, uh, because of, 
the glandular fever and coming back I wasn't progressing the way I wanted and you know I was just frustrated and uh, so I had no coach going over there and I nearly went over there as his last attempt at just trying to be <clears throat> accomplish what I wanted to you know just get that spark mm-hmm. back so I went mm-hmm. over there like severely unfit like you know up to 8,000 feet like I could just remember the days like struggling to keep up on easy runs you know and the, the men and the women ran together like and um um slowly things to get used to started to get a bit better a bit better i spent like i think i spent three months up there and um i hadn't ran a race in in a year or so and um so then um i came back and the plan was to do national cross country Um, hadn't ran cross country race also in around the year as well <laughs> so and like but D- dina like when i met dina like you know everything seemed to come back like someone that absolutely is just an inspirational person to be around every day like and uh you know she did so well in cross country and i was like i'd ask her a question and there would be never anything negative said you know i'd be like well i haven't ran a cross country race in a year can i still run well and she'd go in this big story how she ran world cross after this and everything i was like jeez i'm only running the national <laughs> cross country i'll be crying so so um i went back then um had a bit of jet lag but came seventh overall and was happy uh, alternate for the European cross country team, um, and Clonliff won by one point that day. So, um, how did that feel coming back from eight thousand feet? Yeah, so, so like there's a difference. That, like? Oh, eight thousand feet, you definitely <clears throat> feel it. Six thousand <clears throat> feet, you don't really. But eight thousand feet, like you're in the airport, you know. And what I find uh, when I come down from eight thousand feet is that when you're walking to go get your luggage, everybody's taking like the escalator up and I'm there powering up the stairs, like <laughs> taking five steps at a time. Like that's Just how you know about, yeah. So that's how I know about uh, 8,000 feet. You definitely feel it. Cause like it is tough Fast. going up there. So, um, so after that then is when we started, we decided I'd run um, a half marathon. Uh, the plan was to run rock and roll Arizona. Um, there was an agent involved with, a uh, with Mammoth Track Club, Josh Cox, and he had, sorted me out with a flight and accommodation which was great so i went to monte gordo uh i spent most christmases and new years uh training away so i was in monte gordo training on my own christmas day new years on my own is, is that morocco no that's portugal monte gordo on the uh, border of portugal and spain so uh training was going well there but also uh so it's safe to say you were well committed at this stage yeah yeah well committed yeah and uh uh my best friend Sophian was there at the time as well so that helped and he's muslim so he doesn't celebrate christmas or new year so it's just another like so just you're focused on this as a full-time this is when i decided that i wanted to do i was getting little bit results but i wanted to be full-time the best Mm -hmm. i could like just you know i just and that's the only way you really can become the best meet meet your best potential isn't it yeah i just i just wanted to be like this i just wanted to when i was done my athletics I just wanted to know I gave it gave it my all. I wanted to look mm-hmm. back at things. I don't want to be that person sitting in the bar saying to someone, oh, well, I could have done this <laughs> or I could have done that or this could have happened. I want to sit there and said, I put everything into it and this is the results that I got, you know? That's the, that's the way I look at it. So then <clears throat> I went, um, yeah, I went to Montegordo, training was good, went to Rock and Roll, Arizona, um, first half marathon, um, ran 67 67 10 Jeez. i believe so um i wasn't happy like we we expected better results 
So I was in shape to run fast, but my mind wasn't, you know. The thing was, is that I was going back. The, the thing with the steeple is that, like, you don't run 5Ks or 10Ks or 1500s mm. or 800s, maybe one fifteen hundred. But your main goal of this season is the steeple. So, like, embedded in my mind and my body is seven and a half laps of the track and jumping over barriers and water jumps and, like, the last lap leaving everything out there, you know, and your hips are sore for a few days after and you go again then. Like, nothing nothing in this script said about, like, 13.1 miles, <laughs> you know. I just, like, you know, my mind just couldn't get over it. Like, like when do I kick, like, you know, is it that point one or... Is it three miles to go? But like three miles to go is still over a steeple, like you know. So my mind just wasn't grasping it. So I think most of these races I was just running. So within myself, like I just was like mm-hmm. afraid to die, like and disappoint because I had just started with this new coach and like I was the bottom of the, of the group. Like these guys were like you know guys were running, at the time like serious times and I was like I was the only steepler, but. You know, I, 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 I wanted to really, like... You know, the guys on the team at that stage were running, like, 62, 61, like... Jeez. So I was thinking, okay, like, 65 would be good. And then, like, so I just kind of panicked a lot. And th- this will go on for a while. Uh, so 60... It's great to have that marker so early on, then. Like, it's yeah, 67 yeah. minutes. Phenomenal time, like... Yeah. You know, people would be listening to that and going, Jesus, like, an hour and seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um... But the bar has been just set so high, so it's a good mental sort of target as well. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah. So it's good. It's good to be disappointed at that. Yeah, it was it's hard good. To understand. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I spent good. a lot of my um, a lot of my build up to the marathon with like um more disappointment than being happy. Like I, I always tried mm. to find the positives of it, but mm. it does seem deep down, like you know, when you have, when you have your coach's wife as Ren has ran uh you know two nineteen for a marathon like you're kind of like okay like so it sounds like a hunger that's driving that yeah a big hunger like you know um i'd say now i'm at like the top of my <clears throat> dedication wise like you know there's like the day doesn't go like your motivation is high, the motivation right? is great like you know like especially now like you know like today like you know it was a nice day like the plan was run like i'd run like probably you know, 12 miles in the morning and I run 8 miles in the evening today but instead today I ran 16 this morning and now I just have to do 4 later on but I might do it 7, you know yeah. so there's a 23 mile day there done Brilliant. you know, so like you, you know, when you want to do more like that's when you know you're yeah. enjoying it you know, you need to you know, and this is for all people with marathoners the thing is, it's not about looking at anybody else's training, it's about figuring out what works for you like, and like, it's not about looking at the overall goal you know it's not like say looking at the 250 mark for the marathon at at the end or the 240 or like you know breaking four hours or anything it's enjoying the moment the the process of it all the long runs everything like that it's enjoying it all you know and when if you can do all that and enjoy the whole process that's when everything comes together on the day your body your mind lets you go then exactly yeah yeah so what happened after rock and rock and roll then? So then after that, minutes? then we um, oh yeah. So when I went back to Mammoth, and we were planning to do um, a half, but we decided right that we do t- a five k to get ready, a five k, a ten k, and a half. So I went back to Mammoth and trained. I went and ran my first five k I've done in around three years. 
ran 14.09, was happy. Also, another race where I didn't know what to do, like, you know, 12 and a half laps. When do I go again? And then, But people had explained to me, like, okay, the last 2K is when you start, like, if you feel good at 3K, then you can start making moves. And it went very well. And, uh, you know, 14.09, I was happy. Uh, after the race, my, my old coach, who was a woman from Western State, was there. And we talked and like I don't think we were on good terms for years since I left but I went up and said you know sorry for anything shook hands with her and said you know thanks for everything so that was grand and then um, after that then um, I went we were getting ready for a 10k and I was in very good 10k shape I'd never run a 10k I'd never run a 10k before but I, we were hoping to run around you know 29 low or so but Stanford is a very hard race to get into especially when you haven't run a 10k and the woman in charge seemed to really not like me so we went back and forth for ages and she was saying yeah no she said no most of the time and then uh then um i sent her i was getting contacts to send her my coach sent her an email because the stanford team came up to mammoth and mammoth helped them so hopefully that would influence it i got josh cox the agent to send her an email and then she said no 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 and then um i booked a flight then to uh oxy to do a 5k then because there was nothing else on and um looked on the start list for stanford the day before the race and my name was put on it. Jeez. <laughs> so like, that's how it went we we laughed about like when you're up at eight thousand feet there's not much as much oxygen going through the brain so i was flipping out i was like like i nearly felt i was in a relationship with this woman and she was just messing around with me that's what we joked about on the team anyway so um I went on then to Oxy, spent like $400 on flights, ran like, a, met a, a good Irish guy that runs for my club, Jared Deegan, there, uh, stayed in his for one night, and ran like half a second faster than I ran in the in the previous 5k, but 14.09 again. So anyway, a PB was a PB, and we were done with that, and then uh, I was getting ready for the San Diego, Rock and Roll San Diego half marathon, in very good shape. And then um, a guy I went to school with in Western State, Gabe Proctor, was on the team, but he had left for a while and he ended up committing suicide. So Jesus. the whole team was like devastated. And um, I ended up staying a bit longer um, of my visa because I wanted to be with the team, which I'll get back to in a bit. But I ran the Rock and Roll San Diego half, ran uh, 66.30, which was whatever, 42nd. PB yeah. in like really bad humidity but mentally I was drained I felt mm. I was in you know probably 65 shape I'm not really sure I can't really say but you know that I was just happy I finished the race to be honest it's important that as well like your body's in good shape yeah your mind's not your mind needs to yeah and you know I never went with any group like I kind of ran the whole thing on my own which is a good indicator like mm. that you just didn't want to be around anybody and put you know so anyway <clears throat> after that I flew home Um. Tomas Cotter got injured. He was the fastest steepler in the country. And I'd run no steeple all year. And Paul McNamara got onto me and was like, well, the European Cup's on and, you know, it seems like you're in good shape. Do you want to do the steeple in Finland? And I said, okay. So, hadn't run one steeple. Uh, I hadn't done any drills, nothing like that. I was living in Letterkenny. Um, at the time, I was doing, like, I was in good shape. And um, 
yeah, went to Finland with the team and uh, ran like a nine ten, I believe. You know, which I think he was happy with. It was quite windy, but like obviously I was not happy at all with it. You know, the form wasn't great, and uh, <clears throat> I think I was still a bit tired from the half. Like you know, I think people forget about sometimes that like a half marathon is a half marathon. Like yeah. I just don't, you know. Although you'd be on a bit of a buzz after I think, and I just uh, didn't recover, and I'd learned vital from that lesson to to recover. You had a lot of energy spent beforehand, like, just yeah. with everything that was going on and the race. Yeah, and, like, you know, say you're doing a three-mile warm-up and a half marathon and a three-mile cool-down, like, that's a 19-mile day. So, um, so anyway, after that, um, I got ready then. So, this, so after that, I wasn't, I went to go back to America to get ready for, let me see. Oh, yes, so that would be the year after that. So, anyway, I wouldn't be allowed back into America. I would have flown over to California and I overstayed the visa. And I told them about my friend committing suicide. They didn't care. Sent me back, Jeez. same day. So that was the end of America for now. I'm I'm working on the visa. It shouldn't be a problem to get a visa, but it's just a bit of a process. So I was looking to go somewhere in altitude, preferably close by. And Sophie and my friend was saying, you know, I go to Morocco. And I was like, Morocco, like <laughs> I don't know, but like I want to go to altitude, but I don't know if I want to go that much. So. He said, just try it, like, you know, come over with me and see what you like. So I went over and uh, it was a completely different uh, world, but like very easy to get to. And, you know, I'd heard uh, Rob Heffernan had spent most of his career going there and a few of the walkers, Brendan Boyce and stuff like that. So like, I was like, well, like, you know, these are Irish and mm-hmm. they've spent a while there. So shouldn't be too bad, you know, they must have like potatoes there or something like So uh, <laughs> off I went and um enjoyed it you know enjoyed it and uh was getting in good shape but i was more helping my friend what sort of altitude is there it's six thousand feet just under six thousand feet and it's you fly into fez and then it's an hour drive up to the town so it's grand like um just a different world and uh, i was trying to get ready for uh cross country at the time um but I was more helping my friend. He was in serious shape. He ended up coming fifth at the Eurocross. And uh, I was helping him doing stuff way too fast for me. And just came down from altitude a bit burnt out. And ended up not finishing nationals. So a bit disappointed with that. And then five days later. Went to Waterford. Half marathon around 67. Uh, so a bit of that the work had kind of paid off a bit. Yeah. Well what about that then? Because that was your first sort of half marathon at home wasn't it yeah yeah so bring you on the radar were people expecting you yeah i think people like they'd seen i'd ran 66 so saw that i ran 66 so i guess like yeah you know it's funny like i was on a i went for a run with gary o'hannon there a few days ago and he was saying like you know like your 64 30 in morocco was good like but when you do it in the home soil, like there's no excuses. Everybody has to accept the fact that you ran this fast, like, you know, because people are saying that like maybe the start or maybe it's short or, you know, yeah. something like that or you're cutting corners or anything you could say because, you know, it was in Africa, but like with the run the weekend, there's no facing it. Like, you know, the, the marker, it's a grade A, IAAF mm. marker, Charlesville and, you know, so like, and then the people you're running against. So like, so that that was uh that was good to hear. But um so after that then um I'm at this stage where I'm getting ready now, we're getting ready for the for a marathon now. We decided on uh Rotterdam and um 
I went let me see I spent another I spent another year away in Montegordo I believe Montegordo yeah I believe so um, Christmas and New Year's um, and then I went oh no I think I went to Morocco for the second time then I went on an Athletics Ireland camp Steve Macklin had just been put in charge of the endurance program brilliant things were really mm. starting that with Athletics Ireland I thought these programs were very important oh, they, like? like it changed for me like you know Steve <laughs> Macklin me and him really got along and, and um, we're on the same page of dedication of it and everything so um, with my runs that year I was put on that program and we went to uh, Forteventura to like this sports resort um, a big group of us half of them injured me getting in very good shape and so I'd come back from Morocco in good shape I don't think I'd ran any races uh, particularly after the Waterford one so so people didn't really know the shape I was in but I was getting in really good shape I was getting some real consistent training in getting and some I, momentum yes, into your form yeah so I went there um, in like very very good shape and I was doing long runs and Macklin was helping me and I remember like one run we did like I was doing a 20 mile run and Macklin brought us up like this huge mountain to the top of this castle uh, with the lads like and I was in like I was very strong we went to the top and then we ran back down and then they all finished and then I start running at like marathon pace like five whatever five sixteen five seventeen pace for the last like six miles and that's when me and him kind of knew you know I was in good shape and then not long after that then I did um 20 by 400 on the track averaging like 66 and then like the last the last eight i was asking them to to with a minute recovery i was asking them, can we just do 50 second recovery i kept on asking them and he was like <laughs> so that's when we knew we were in a um a very good shape there and i was helping the guys out with some sessions as well and uh you know i was training three times a day i was running in the morning i was aqua jogging in the middle of the day and running in the evening like and half the yeah. others were injured <laughs> like what I was why, why were you aqua jogging just um, that easier strength sort of building I got into <clears> aqua jogging <throat> um, you know I knew um, Salazar's group were doing it all Mo Farah and stuff were mm-hmm. doing it so what it was I found was it's it's me transitioning from say for example 100 miles to 120 miles okay. I, it's, it's, it's making a big jump but putting aqua jogging in so what it would be of me running 100 miles a week but doing equivalent 20 to 30 miles of aqua jogging and then after two or three weeks of that then I do 120 miles a week and the body's okay. handled it just preparing you for yeah. it yeah yeah so that's that's the way I looked at it just taking the risk out of that jump really is it mm, that's and it worked really well for me and it worked on my form because I am quite tall and you know strengthened muscles that I've never used before mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed it and uh, funny enough like I live down the road from the uh, national sports arena where like all the best athletes train. I'm not a part of that. I I do my aqua jogging <laughs> in the Kilmine Community School where like uh, at night time I'm going around in a circle dodging like 80 year olds and on the other side they're doing aqua aerobic, aqua aerobic. <laughs> so it's not like I'm in around top sports athletes, you know. I'm just going around in a little circle there. So um but it reminds me of like you know the gyms that like uh, Rocky was in back in the day mm. and stuff like that's the way I think about it. so um yeah I felt aqua jogging really helped um just to get the mileage up so um 
I was starting to hit 120 for a good while then consistently and I went on another camp with Athletics Ireland and um, this is when I really knew I was in good shape I did I did some really good workouts there but one particularly good workout I did like a was it a 20 a 24 mile progression run with Paul Pollock and Kevin Seward we started at like a 5.55 pace and ended at like 5.10 pace and uh, we had a guy helping us on the bike with our drinks and everything and like you know nobody nobody on the camp thought I had a chance of keeping up with them me getting ready for my first mm-hmm. marathon but I was in I was in really good shape like I wasn't saying anything but like I really I, I knew I could do this workout like and uh, so I kept up with them for it and uh, you know like the, I thought this camp was probably for me for information it was the best one because mm-hmm. Paul and Kevin have a, a ton of information you know both Olympians um, European Championships both um, arguably two of the best uh, marathoners in the country and like they just generally generally wanted to help and just give me great inf- information but is that the, an important session for you do you think that training run yeah I thought that was it, that was it then I was like okay um, I'm going to run you know, I'm going to run Rotterdam and I'm going to run well. I didn't know exactly what time, but I thought, like, you know, okay. It was kind of confirmation that, like, you know, okay, yeah. maybe I can actually do this, like, you know, because, like, you're doing the miles and everything and you think, like, <clears throat> okay, like, but you don't know what's going to happen, like, at mile 20 during the marathon, you know, you don't. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, these guys had reassured and, you know, not only were they telling me, like, a lot about their experience and stuff, but, like, they're they're good fun as well, you know. It's not like every day is, like, full on everything like you know we'd have lunch every day and there was banter and everything so um after that then so i did a gym session i wasn't doing any gym sessions out of what i was doing but one day i went down and did a gym session with the with the team and we were doing med ball stuff and i felt something had happened to my back but i wasn't sure and then um the runs weren't feeling great after and i went to go do the big london half and I ran like 69 minutes, like like in the shape I was in. And then um, I went to Morocco then to do my final prep. I'd, I'd get in, um, I had to get a, a root canal. But I don't think that affected too much. But there was something wrong with my back. Like I just couldn't push. And um, I was with Brendan Boyce in, in, uh, in Morocco. And I was like meeting up with him every day. Going to say, I was like, oh, I'll try this today couldn't finish anything couldn't finish the session didn't know what was wrong you know I there's some great physios in Ifram but none of them speak English so I can't really explain what was wrong or what had to be done so then I dropped I didn't go to Rotterdam I was like to my dad I was like like something isn't right here like I, I just I can't tell you and he was like oh it's nerves it's a noise I was like you don't understand it here like so I went back and I went to a chiropractor did a load of tests and everything and then he came into the room and he was like did you get in a car crash I was like, well, first off, I don't drive, so, and like, and he was like, what, like, did you get in a car crash? I was like, no, and he was like, well, like, your pelvis is twisted really bad, so I guess with like how aggressive I was doing with the med balls, maybe mm. in the gym, and with all the mileage and everything, I twisted the pelvis, so I had to take a good while off then. And that must be frustrating. Frustrating, yeah, yeah, and uh, so. I skipped two results there. So I'd ran a 24-10 in the Rahini 5 mile uh, on 120 miles a week. So I was happy with that. And then um, I'd ran 49-47 in my first 10 mile in down in uh, in Waterford. I came second. So 
So those were two uh, positive results leading yeah. up to that as well. So then, <clears throat> after that, then I had to take a good break. Uh, we're getting we're getting up to date now. We're in two thousand eighteen now, and uh, I took a good break. I wouldn't say I was I was very unhappy with everything, you know. You know, there's nothing worse than like you realize with the marathon, the mileage and the time and effort mm-hmm. you put into it, and not to get the result, and like. Because uh, you're investing all the time. You're yeah, not and, getting the cash out. And this was a, uh, so, uh, I was just part of Marathon Mission, which is funded by the Dublin Marathon. Yeah. They help you out with trips and they pay for your like, uh, um, like Rotterdam. They pay for your accommodation and flights and stuff like that. You know, so they were expecting something as well, and that was very disappointed. So, anyway, after that, I took a break and we decided then, okay, let's go for a more of a low key marathon. Let's do Dublin. Which would be I I would think would be low key. So then, we started again, and um, started to get in good shape. Um, let me see the races that. So I went on a bit of a winning streak, leading up to Dublin. I won like five races in a row, leading up, and um, I was starting to do like a hundred and thirty miles a week, consistently like, and the body was handling it. loads of aqua jogging, um, some. How was the back corrected? The back was like uh, put in a few times. It so just chiropractor. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he fixed okay. it back in, and I was going to him regularly just to make sure and strengthen it and everything mm-hmm. like that. So that was fine, and um, so uh, let me see what was the first race that I did that got. I think I'd won a ten k. I'd won a ten k in the park. I won a f- okay, so I won. So this time I didn't go to Morocco and uh, my friend was going to St. Moritz in Switzerland, the most expensive place I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. And uh, uh, he had, he's been going there for a while. So I went there. He was getting ready for the European Championships, 5K and 10K. And I was getting ready, just trying to get in, in decent shape. So we went there for around six, six weeks. I spent them, uh, just under a month with him and then two and a half weeks with the Swiss Marathon team. Um, I know a few guys there so training away and I was just like getting in you know aqua jogging there and running twice a day so the usual and then um, um, I came back I was just coming back and I got a phone call from my mum my mum never rings me when I'm on a trip because she knows like I'm usually grumpy and she answered the phone and uh, I could tell there was something wrong and she said stomach cancer she said, so that was um, a big shock for me because uh, she had stomach problems for a long time and she went um, to get it checked and um, they put the tube down her and sent her a letter then say, don't come back for four years, you don't have cancer. Mm-hmm. And then she rang me that day and she was like, she went in again. They didn't have it, they didn't put it down further enough. So instead of having that the, the early stages, yeah. it was a lot later on. So anyway... I remember that day. A lot of anger involved with that. Yeah, a lot of anger and just like, you know. So, like, that day I'd already ran and I, and I don't think I was planning on running again. But, like, that's the only way I know how to do it, like, to get rid of anger. Like, go out and run. So I just ran out and went out and ran. I don't think I even told my friend for a while after that because I just couldn't, hadn't processed it yet. So after that then, <clears throat> I came home. Obviously, everything was very different in my house. And I had one... I won the South Dublin 10K with the Dublin Race Series 
and it's um, quite a big race as well yeah yeah yeah, schedule. yeah and um i come back and you know obviously my mom couldn't come to my races and like you know, i came back and i saw like you know although she was very weak she was happy and everything so i found like me winning the races we're making her happy so from then on i'd won every race leading up to dublin marathon um i went on then and um I ran, what did I run? I ran some local, like I ran like a 5k, I'd win that, or a 10k, and then I ran the Dublin half. Um, I'd just come back from Morocco, I ran 66.20 on my own, one by three minutes in the park, and broke the course record. And then I knew... Was that I'd, the rock and roll, or was it the Dublin? That was the Dublin. Oh, I'd run the, I won the rock and roll as well, I also broke yeah. the course record there. But the, the Pope was coming, so uh, instead of it being in the park, we That's went right. uh, up Knock Maroon Hill and all that like you know, I wouldn't wish it on anybody it doesn't matter yeah. what shape you're in there is a great photograph of you though finishing that rock and roll race yeah it does kind of uh, yeah. it was it was a very big race and I knew like for my mum it would like keep her going because she was right in the middle of yeah. chemotherapy so <clears throat> that was a big one you know you see a lot of passion in yeah, that photograph yeah. yeah I think every race that I won a bit more got let out that mm. was just kept in so then um I went away to Morocco then for the last bit and the preparation. Did you become the national champion from that? Yeah, that was national champion there. So that must have been a huge thing. Yeah, that was my my first national championship on the roads. And uh, yeah, I was very happy. And you know... So the whispers must have changed around Ireland when that was happening Yeah, I think people maybe started to realise that, oh, you know, like... I think that was the first time I seen your name. Yeah, so with like marathon running, you know... I find that, you know, when, when the guys like me from the track come up and say, oh, I can run this time, or I can do this, I can do that, people are like, oh, yeah, you can, yeah, and then they let you, and you fail a few times, and then you crawl back into your cave then, or you go get a job, and that's it. Like, I, I really, I really tr- try to respect the distance the best I can, and mm-hmm. just, like, do the work, and try to get the results, and, and that was a big day, because I was running 130 miles a week, I wasn't easing down, I, I was living in an altitude tent up in my room at the time. I woke up that morning and I just remember like I didn't sleep a wink. It was really humid and I just woke up drenched in sweat and I felt horrible. And my dad was coming and he, uh, I opened his car door and I was like, I feel terrible. And he was like, oh, come on, we just go, we'll see, you know. And I was wearing, I was sponsored by Skechers. I was on a contract with Skechers at the time and I was wearing their shoes and, um, I uh, it it rained that morning and I was slipping everywhere. I mean, we were running like whatever it was, maybe five, fifteen, five, ten pace at the start. But I was running five minute pace to keep up with these guys on the flat. But up the hills, I was getting a bit more grip. But like, really, it was a mental thing of like, how am I gonna do this today? And we went down. Me and Gary O'Hanlon, uh, just by Castlenock GA Club, Castlenock Hotel. We went down a big hill. Me and Gary O'Hanlon kind of made a move and put a bit of a gap. And when we came down, we kept on going. And the Stewart guy didn't expect us and we went further. So all the guys went around the cone and we'd gone further and had to turn back. And Gary absolutely freaked out. And I was like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> this couldn't get any worse. But then we caught up then. And then there was one big hill we just went up before we went back down uh, Knock Maroon. And I just made a big move up there. And I remember, I just remember like halfway up the hill saying, 
kind of regret going making this move up this hill. I didn't know it was that long, even though I live <laughs> absolutely down the road from it. I probably sit, drove up and down it all my life. like. And I remember seeing John Coughlin at the top. He, he was just jogging around to see the race. I just kind of looked at John and uh, I just like hoping that people didn't come back, but they didn't. I, I, I got to the finish line. So that was a, that was a big day. And, um, and then the Dublin half was a good one as well because I solo ran um that sixty six twenty, you know, that was a PB solo rena in the park, very hilly. And that's when the confidence was growing for the event, like, you know, I was getting the half marathons were kinda of like, you know, you know, that move in the national championship was like, okay, like I'm starting to become comfortable with this distance now. I can really like start to get going and then hopefully progress now. And um so then the Dublin Marathon came, I did my last camp in Morocco. And uh, the camp went decent. I was in really, really good shape. Like, I'd done some really good long runs. Uh, uh, like th- sessions like three by five miles stuff like that. Like at like you know five oh five pace stuff like that. Like yeah. really good stuff. And then um, flew back three days before. So it with altitude, it's either ten or eleven days before, or within seventy two hours to perform okay. as best. Got to the hotel. Um, was sponsored by a meal company at the time, Clean Cut Meals, but I don't think it was them that had a uh, that had effect on it because I've always been eating those meals. But went to the hotel, the Conrad. They were cooking the meals for me, microwaving them, oven them, and bringing them up to my room, daily. That's how good it was. Like I was like, <laughs> this is brilliant. Like I'm gonna run, unbelievable. Now I was nervous all right now, but um, Cause this is your debut now. This is my debut, yeah, uh, Dublin, and you know I'd run the Dublin half, <laughs> one rock and roll, so there was a bit of a write up, you know. But obviously, like, uh, Mick would have been mentioned, and and Gary was in very good shape. Mm-hmm. I was doing a good few runs with Gary and stuff, and uh, so then, the day. Let me see. It wasn't the day before. It was the Friday night. My stomach just wasn't feeling great. I was like, I will go sleep or wake up in the morning. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really holding anything down that night. And I said, ah, you know, I had some, um, um, I've got some, some tablets and stuff that weren't really helping. So I woke up in the morning and, you know, not even water could be held down. There was something seriously wrong. Kind of trying to like tough it out, like just like, okay, this is like, you know, it's just nerves, whatever. You know, I was on my own and everybody knew to leave me alone, family and everything only messages and then um the day went on then and i got onto my dad i was like dad something seriously isn't wrong here he got onto my brother who's my brother's friend is a doctor she got onto me and was like what's the symptoms everything like that and uh he went and got uh, me went to a chemist this was coming it was starting to come evening time now i hadn't eaten anything all day and um or water nothing could be held and then they went and got me like uh, what's the the sickness tablet was it first we got diorolite the stuff that kind of mm, you know so. uh, and then yeah the the tablet that kind of blocks you from like uh, diarrhea or anything just keeps Imodium. everything Imodium as well but they kind of have a bit of side effects Imodium so mm. I didn't want to push it too much and then um, so then that night like I was like you know there's no way like like I think I'd ta- obviously I'd taken a day off then because I don't think I was even able to run or I ran five minutes and, and couldn't. I was like, how am I going to run a marathon tomorrow? So I'm there sitting there like, but I knew I was in such good shape like, but like I hadn't eaten anything. So like you're weighing all these things. So I went to bed early, got up, 
went down for breakfast couldn't eat anything still uh, you know uh, taking a modium the modium wasn't even working I don't know what was going on <laughs> the urine like everything like that I was like you know definitely wasn't able to take gel so that was out of the question but I was I had practiced with my my drink sponsor Morton so I was like okay hopefully that will stay and I was like you know like, so I don't think I could do this so I was just sitting on the bed um, singlet and everything laid out number on just like you know you've put all this work in mm-hmm. like you know what happened with the twisted pelvis the last time you know you weren't able to run but like at least your legs put one in front of the other here so we went and took an emodium and took um diorolite and some other stuff that would help the stomach but like I could only warm up six or seven minutes and had to run run back to the portaloo and then um I was like, okay, like, you know, you know what happens when you get into races and people are around you, you know, adrenaline gets you by, mm-hmm. will you get me a by 26 <laughs> miles, I don't know, so we got in the starting line, off you went, and like, it wasn't too bad, and like, I was actually feeling like, grand for a bit, I got in the zone, was up there, um, with Gary, and Mick had kind of uh, gone a bit ahead, so it was me and Gary, and a guy from uh, Great Britain, Josh Griffiths, and got to got to um halfway sixty eight, fine, feeling absolutely perfect, cruising, and then just after halfway, then, the stomach was like. That's the best we all got today. Like if you go any faster, like I like I it wasn't even I had to slow down dramatically, like mm. or that was it. So the rest you wouldn't of it was, have the fuel inside you even the energy. Yeah, the rest of it, it was just cruise control. You know, like you're in a car, you're just in cruise control, and mm. you can't get out of the gear. Like people would go by, and there was just no reaction to anything so that was it and 219 is what i ran wow off that so like oh on reflection i know it's disappointing like but to run 219 in that condition yeah the after the race like i was like that like i tried to explain it to like uh my like it was probably easy to explain to my mom who had stomach cancer you know she like it was like mom you know like okay there could be worse things but like during the race you know, like you have your mom lying at home and her hair's falling out and she has stomach cancer, and here you are, like with like a stomach infection or something. So you want to be getting through this because there's no excuses going, going home. But I got through it and I finished it, ran straight into the portaloo. Obviously, I didn't even get the medal, but uh, I was just like really proud of the the effort put in and mm-hmm. just like the mental fortitude like that it took. Like and you know, after I told people like, oh, I had a stomach problem, but like, you know. People that have done the marathon, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we all had that stomach problem, you know. <laughs> but like, it wasn't like that. Like, it was a vi- it was a proper stomach infection, and I don't know what it was from. It could have been the food in Morocco at the time, you know. Like, I I've kind of got on the sorted that out now with Morocco. There's certain water I can drink, you know. A lot of shops are putting in tap water and then putting it in okay. with the label on it. Where that's grand for Moroccan people, but that's putting mm-hmm. me in my deathbed, like you know. So. Uh, I don't know if it was that or the food in the hotel, but like, it definitely wasn't my food sponsor because I'd been eating them for like you know yeah. eight months. You know it can't be so. It can take about two or three days. For yeah, yeah. To sort of develop. Yeah, so I was, obviously I was thinking it was the. Mm. Um, there must Mar- be some level of risk as well when you change, even in the air, aircraft and stuff. Yeah, like that's that, it. You know, yeah, and it was two flights, and so, so anyway, after that, then you know. Um, the director and came of the Dublin Marathon. Mick, Mick became the national champion, didn't he? Yeah, he so Mick, Mick ran 215.55 that day. 
and I went through in 68 and you know the first part is the toughest yeah. you know I'm you know I can't tell you what I would have ran that day but all that I know is that I went through halfway in 68 with yeah. Gary and Gary ran to 16 that day yeah to 16 and 17 yeah so like and then Josh Griffiths ran finished ahead of Mick I think or just behind him either ahead of Mick or just behind him that day and I was with him halfway so I couldn't tell you what would have happened mm-hmm. but you know I was in great shape and then finishing I was like okay like you know it can't get any worse than this you know <laughs> next time so then um, after that then I took a break and um, I got in the how, how long of a break would you take you think it's important to take that break I think it's very important to rest the mind like you know yeah, and, the, yeah. and the body as well like uh my feet were in a bad way after that race as well. Um, you know, I there was a big lump. There was a big lump at the bottom here, just there, and it wouldn't go away, and it just really didn't look right. So I wanted that to go away, but it wouldn't. The last guy I podcasted last week, <laughs> he had the same complaint. By yeah. the way, proper just yeah. Right so the then, um, <clears throat> yeah, after that, then um, uh, the head, uh, the club captain wanted me to do national cross. But I, I wasn't able to. I knew I, I just knew my, my feet. So he was quite upset that I didn't. But it didn't matter because Stephen Scullion didn't run it either. So we wouldn't have won anyway. So um, I took a break. A good break. Came back refreshed. Um, stomach stomach problem went on for a bit. Uh, but went away after maybe a week and a half, two weeks. And then um, started getting back easy running. And then went to Morocco for Christmas and New Year's again. Was getting ready for the Marrakesh half marathon, completely different new experience, uh, running in Africa for the first time, um and, um, yeah, training was going really well. The base had converted over, and I was doing these like phenomenal, crazy, workouts. Like you know, my coach would say, um, go and do a ten k tempo in thirty two minutes, and then I was coming back with like running thirty minutes forty five seconds at 6,000 feet, and I was like, oh, this is a different level here, so like, I went to Marrakesh, uh, then, in January, in really, really good shape, but the, the weather conditions weren't great, I was, I was ready to run, 63 minutes for sure, and then, um, um, went there and ran 64, 30, going through halfway in like, uh, 30, 10, 30, 15, and then, you know, just with the conditions, um, died a bit like everybody did in the race but 64 30 big huge breakthrough yeah happy with no matter what like and just knew that there was a bit faster in me as well and that's when the moroccan started to realize as well like you know this guy he isn't one of these lazy europeans that comes over here you know so um and then uh after that i went home a week later ran the um john tracy 10 mile came second uh didn't run well conditions weren't great and didn't recover from the half at all and then um after that then i wasn't feeling um i wasn't feeling great like there was just something that something wasn't going right like and uh um i eased off a bit in the mileage and then picked it back up then and went to the armagh 5k yeah to run for for ireland and um i went there and ran fourteen twenty three in the middle of marathon training so i was happy with that getting back on yeah, things you weren't focusing on the 5k yeah not at all and just strength got me by uh, first time doing the rmr 5k that's a phenomenal race like oh unbelievable so it's just unbelievable experience 
and uh, great to be part of an Irish team to kind of break the marathon training up. And then um, uh, went and won then the, the Derry 10 miler. Derry 10 miler. Uh, they offered extra prize money if I came up and, and did it. And I said, no problem. I went up there and ran it on a really windy day, but was happy to win and promote the, promote a greatly run event like like most events in Northern Ireland road running is very well organised mm-hmm. and um, went back then went to Morocco doing some very good s- sessions getting ready for Rotterdam uh, again part 2 Rotterdam really looking forward to it uh, training with um, a 210 guy in Morocco for most of it doing all the sessions a bit behind him but ready to go ready to run fast doing some like really good long runs and stuff went to Rotterdam got put in the, like uh, was in the the elite race and everything like that like it's very hard to get elite entry but I got end up getting it Cause it's a very fast race like, very it? fast race and um, was in really good shape everything was going fine um, ended up being a really hot day um, went out was going on 214 pace then um, then got a really bad blister and the heat was turning one of my feet my my legs started turning in because of the heat and uh i was starting to kind of like walk a bit like run a bit funky and then uh um i was still went through halfway then um uh 68 again but like it slowed down dramatically and 30k like it was done the blisters had gotten too bad i had to drop out then at around just over 30 was that just because of the the different climate there just or? The, it was a very hot day like it was like the hottest day of the month there or they've ever had in that month you know a lot of people had very bad races all the elites except for the africans because you're doing the same thing that you've trained in like yeah day in day yeah. out week in week out yeah and, and morocco was very happen. cold during then it was their winter you know right okay. so it was i was training very it was like just similar to ireland so so then um very disappointed at that my dad had come over and my girlfriend come over um um just terrible but there's nothing i could do about it like the you know it wasn't like it wasn't new shoes it wasn't new new socks or anything like that it was just bad luck bad luck so then um after that then took a break Um, we really thought this was be going to be a good one so me me and my girlfriend planned a trip to uh um to abita after to go on holiday um all-inclusive resort so obviously i was not looking forward to going to that because I had nothing to celebrate so um, the weather wasn't great there anyway so I spent most of my time in the hotel and she just went and did whatever and I just moped around most of the most of the trip and then uh, um, even worse that like the beat the half marathon was on during that time and, and the winner won in like 61 or something I was like Jesus that's madness like you know I was thinking maybe I can go and win this you know to get a bit of encouragement back thank God I didn't show up for that but anyway, uh, yeah, so that wasn't a great holiday there. I tried to be the best mood I could, but like it was very hard. So um, with my 6430, I had um, through a friend of mine that lives down the road just here, Philip Lavery, professional cyclist. I think he medaled at the Commonwealth Games. He put me in touch with uh, Derry McVeigh of Silver Hat Sports. And um, I contacted him a year or so ago, and he said when the time's... When you when you start running a few quicker times, let we can start working together. So I also started. I got a manager, uh, Biz Sports, uh, based in the Netherlands, through through my friend Sophie. And 
So he was helping me with races. So starting to get appearance fee, yeah, uh, yeah. flights and accommodation paid for. And oh, I'd ran before Rotterdam, I'd ran the Napoli half marathon. Um, very well run a race, but it was 60 kilometer per hour winds. So um, I wasn't going to run well no matter what. Mm. <laughs> so um, I didn't run well there. Ran with two of my close Moroccan friends. Uh, one didn't run well, the other did run well because he just spent like two months in Ethiopia. But um, um, this guy was helping me out and then uh, Run Check were the name of the group that were doing this race series called Euro Heroes where they have the best half marathoners in Europe run against each other and no Africans are allowed in it. It's only Europeans okay. and they have like uh, three or four races. So I signed up for them and they were giving me decent appearance money and flights and accommodation really well set up so i'd went to two of them Um, this is my build up now up to dublin now we've started the build up here so what i was doing is i'd learned so much from all these like you know like that's two rotterdams okay like i seriously i'm never going back to rotterdam you know like it's it's three strikes in baseball it's two strikes for me and i've done like i, I just there's too many bad memories there so um we had these two races planned, two of the half marathons in Czech Republic. Um, didn't know too much about them. Knew uh, uh, the courses were relatively flat. So I was hoping to run a good time. So I'd been to Morocco, had a good camp. Um, flew over there. And um, who's only there than Paul Pollock? So grand, like me and Paul get along very well. And... Uh, and uh, Paul was telling me he'd ran one before and great and these are great setup and all like that and he was in he was in a good position points wise, and um, so um, this is a gold label race IWF gold label because so it's quite serious mm. um really good guys, you know and um, so Ren we got there and like I was it was night time the next morning, got up and I was like. It is absolutely roasting here. It must be like 37 degrees. Like, So like, I was like, how are we going to run in this? And Paul was like, oh, I don't know. Like, this is bad. And uh, so we ran the race anyway. Like, and like, I absolutely like, I nearly blacked out. Like, it was so hot. Like, um, ended up running like 68 minutes, I think. Paul ran really well. But like, Paul said he got sick halfway during it and had to stop like and rallied again. And I was like, Jesus. And he ended up coming, um, he was always coming in top five. I'd come, I think I came ninth. Um, wasn't happy because I was in very good shape, you know, like, you know, when you run five minutes over your personal yeah. best, like, and I was like, oh, geez, that was very tough. And um, the body just also, it wasn't, um, Morocco hadn't prepared me for it yet. So, I, and I was still getting into shape, you know, to run well in heat, you need to be in good shape. Mm -hmm. Like, so, Anyway, tried to take a few positives from it, you know, and enjoyed and made a few new friends and everything. It was great being around elite athletes and around Paul and everything. And then Paul's um, partner had just had a baby, so, and the Champions League final was on. So we went out and had a, a drink or two, which I'd rarely do during racing season with him. Like, uh, So that was good as well, just a bit of downtime and stuff like that. So, um, so then after that then, Went back training, um, was in Ireland then for a bit, uh, went back to Czech Republic to run the next one, um, knew it was going to be similar weather, um, ended up running a bit better, the body adapted, ended up coming 8th, so top 8 gets paid, so I was happy. Paul came 
third. Paul came third that day, so he was on the podium, which was another great day. And um, so, um, yeah, that was good. And then uh, we were just absolutely wrecked after that. We couldn't even go for go even like think about going for ice cream or anything. <laughs> so anyway, uh, went home then after that uh, with a real kind of positive that things were starting to get better. Like, you know, shape was coming, you know, in the races. So I was starting a bit more able to make moves and cover moves. So went back then. And then, um, then I was getting ready for a camp that wasn't too, probably this camp, the last camp, was it? So then let me, yeah, so, so the last camp that went on then, um, so this is what happened then. <clears throat> I, um, what was my last race there before? Okay, so I went to, I went to Morocco and I uh, came back. Had a very very good training, but like things were really starting to come together. Like like uh, like uh, things were feeling really natural. Um, wasn't doing the big mileage yet, but but what I tried to do in marathon cycles is, is break everything up that to get fit first, and then take a bit of a break and then move on to the marathon cycle. So came back, um, had got onto the Roscommon ten mile part of the Kia race series. Always wanted to do one, you know. Obviously, I couldn't win the car or anything, but. Um, Mick had broken the course record the the day before so or the year before so I was looking to um, put it up to him got back from there um, travelled to Roscommon I don't think I've ever been to Roscommon my entire life and uh, stayed in the hotel the day before warmed up for the race uh, saw Mick there said hello to him uh, Hugh Armstrong was also in the race so good field um, running around running through a forest getting ready I get lost Lost, and I don't know where I am. Everything looks the same to me. <laughs> so there I am, uh, running around, and like I'm like, you know, I was really cutting it tight with the warm up anyway, and I hadn't put my shoes on. I was wearing my big heavy ones, hadn't put the vapor flies or anything, and they were in the hotel. So I'm kind of panicking, like, and like you know, in the country, like one car comes by every hour, like, and uh, eventually someone came by, like, and I stood in front of the road, and they nearly went to drove past me, like, I was like, please, do you know where? Um, the start of the race is there and they're like oh you're you know you've been going out the other way there so i did around 30 minutes of running and then 25 minutes at around 550 mile pace to get back to the hotel so that's 55 minutes there before the race and it was so humid i was drenched morocco it's around 15 20 percent humidity that day it was really bad so i got back chugged the bottle of parade put on my shoes like strided like it was around a 1k stride I did to get to the uh, start then they were just about to go off and then the race went off ended up running a big enough PB 49.30 but but Mick had beaten me well like he got away I was done for like there was nothing there was nothing so after it like Mick was asking me how I done done, and people asked me how it was I didn't say tell anybody about the warm up you know I just said I just leave it you know on then so then I was like okay let's make a decision I was thinking about doing the national 10 mile the week after on a pretty hilly uh, course so the week after that I did that and won easy like 49.55 on a hilly course on my own this mic is so sensitive you've I no know, idea yeah, I told her today but uh, she just said whoever she's on the phone to I'm just getting kicked out of my own house there <laughs> Good to hear you, Mal, though, after everything you said. Yeah, so yeah, everything's going fairly well with her now, yeah. I, how I knew 
people ask me how she's doing and I say well she's back abusing me again so everything must be back <laughs> to normal so yeah so you had five five six weeks like 140 miles 100 yeah I think yeah five so this would be six or seven this is the sixth week of 140 and um, and it just came really naturally a lot of the times it was forced before you know and a lot of aqua jogging, jogging was used this time it wasn't because in Morocco there is no pools that I'm allowed into anyway there is a university mm-hmm. there but so um the mileage was really coming naturally Um, I was training with a group this time which made a huge huge difference every morning every evening meeting up with a group ranging from 207 to 214 and like each of them like they, they just want to help you like so much they're all telling you different things and we just did um long fart legs is the difference this time and and really good long runs uh, the long runs would be like, um, for example, I do say a 24 mile long run and there's a loop there, 11 mile loop in Morocco where um, the Moroccan record holder has uh, ran like whatever, trained on that and ran 206 or 205. It's called Raz Ma loop and like any hill in Dublin is nothing compared to these things like, you know, like so I train up them and I go at a nice pace and then on the second loop I try to go also at a nice pace but then when I come down to the flat absolutely wrecked I tried to run marathon pace then mm-hmm. on a flat loop and like after I was getting down each for those long runs um, the pace was coming very naturally so then I knew the strength was there not from just 140 miles but from the marathon cycle before that and the marathon mm-hmm. cycle before that had all caught up so then um, and then I was doing some very good like instead of doing the 2400s now I was doing 30 400 or 35 Jeez. 400s on the track the the mind was really started yeah, to yeah. you know you could feel you know? it was a different level yeah i didn't even know what a barrier or a water jump was anymore all that i knew now was the marathon now the <laughs> things had just because i was around marathoners every day you know you know in arkansas i was around stanley every day stanley talked about barriers the water jump other kenyans and and you know different steeple chasers and everything now i was just around the marathon you know what do you do with six miles how relaxed you have to be when the race starts, when it finishes, you know, conditions, you know, everything like that. Everything was with the marathon. So you start to get starting to visualize it. Yeah, that's it. Every day visualizing like, and Charleville was a big goal. I promised Michael Hillary, who's, who's the race director two times. I'd let him down, not going there last year. It was because of, there was really bad winds in Cork. I don't know if you remember that or around the country. And I just didn't think, I should have travelled down there. Well, they ended up running 64-20 was the winner, so I regret that. But I promise them i go down and give it a good go. So he he sorts out the elite athletes, brings you down, puts you in a hotel, three-course meal, brilliant setup, you know, answered all my questions, which was probably every half an hour I was <laughs> asking him a question about something. So then, uh, like, I was visual in Charleville. Like, I was, you know, getting in really good shape. And, you know, the Moroccan guys were very good at, indicating off workouts what kind of shape i was in so they were like you know um you know um 62 63 half marathon they were saying to me and i was like brilliant but at the same time i'm running 140 miles a week you know mm-hmm. i don't know what i'm going to show up on the start line with so that camp was really good um uh, for the first time i didn't get stomach problems there also so obviously i was drinking the right water and eating the right stuff and went back very happy um flights went fine arrived 
went down to Charlesville, no problem, Houston Station down to Charlesville, picked up by someone. Uh, wasn't feeling great, but like, you know, in marathon training, you need to remember, like, when are you going to feel great? Except maybe the day of the marathon, you know? Because, like, you have to remember, like, I came home on a Tuesday and I was still running 20 miles a day, you know, until Friday where I ran 10 miles in the morning. I got up early, ran 10 miles, knowing that I was going to run at 30 miles overall and on, no, 10 miles in the morning on the Saturday, knowing that I was going to run three mile warm up, half marathon, three mile cool down and 10 miles later on in the evening when I got back to Dublin to make 30, <laughs> to make up for that, you know? So, so then um, I was on the starting line and the field was very good, like a really, really deep field yeah, yeah. for Charlesville and, you know, Mick was there and, and Mick, uh, Mick's wife had just had a baby, so congratulated him on that and that and everything and then off we went and then you know uh 436 for the first mile and you know i was like all right i might stop looking at me watch here you know and uh three of us had broken away me mick and you armstrong and mick was leading and um flying through there like let me see when was i had ran a four mile so i wasn't feeling great coming back the flight had just knocked me a bit um, uh, tightness all up here and everything like that I don't know what it was so I went to Clonliffe Harriers to do a few 400s on the Thursday and Morris O'Hearn Bertie O'Hearn's brother came up to me and said there's a 4 mile race on the track do you want to do it and I said that it depends on how much you're going to pay me Morris I'll break whatever record needs to be broken if you give me whatever 200 he walks away, like all politicians. He walked away, comes back 10 minutes later and goes, there'll be 200 cash for you. And I said, fine. I'd already done two 400s, but whatever. So off I went and ran uh, 18.56 on my own. Jeez. So like 4.43 pace. Yeah. Which in my mind felt, okay, if I run a bit faster than half marathon pace, then Sunday will feel a bit easier. Mm. thank god because when i saw 436 i was like okay so anyway we went through 10k 2945 that's 62 pace and then you turn around in charleville and you go back not in the same road but another one back to the finish and i was running this race blind like i don't i didn't know any bump i didn't know if there was a hill i was told it was flat that's all i knew so we turned around there's a, a wind in front of us which made a lot of sense because 2945 is like rolling like yeah so we're going then, and I, and I decided that I was going to make a big move. So it was the first 10k, it was 29. 2945, which is 62.40 or so pace, you know. <clears throat> so I knew one of us was going to break the course record, unless it was a gale force when we turned around. But we didn't think any wind was going to be there. So we turned, and there was a wind, <clears throat> and I'm sitting, and the three of us are still there, all in contention. Uh, mixed coach Dick Cooper's on the bike, you know, every time we go past the micro, the mar, the whatever marker you know Mick you look really strong you look great and I was like all right I think I'll go I'm getting ready to make a move here like so I was going to make a move after 10k after 10k halfway just I was going to make a move but then we turned in the wind and I was like hold on here like you know six miles is a very long way against the wind so I waited then and uh, you know I felt we were slowing down a bit and then five miles to go I said right you know, and when I think about making big moves and I visualised, just like I was telling you about the Dublin Marathon, I visualised this race. 
I visualize this move over and over again because when you're doing 140 miles a week, you have a lot of time to think about this. <laughs> so I'd visualize this hundreds and hundreds of time making this move. And when I think about making the move, I think about Dina Castor when she made the move to win the bronze medal in the Olympics. She went past this Ethiopian. And instead of making like all these little moves, she just committed to one move and that was it. So I'm sitting there behind them and you was just sitting behind me. So I kind of move back and get ready to move out. Kind of like in, you know, the Tour de France when you're ready to launch yourself. You goes into second. He thinks I'm dri- drifting off the pace. Mick probably thinks I'm drifting off the pace. And I just move out and just go. Huge move. and How far out was that? Five miles out. Jeez. And there I am off. Afraid to look. I just keep on pushing and pushing. Just keep on pushing and look ahead. And I lied to myself as well. I told myself, right, you have four miles left. That's just under 20 minutes of running left. So I didn't. I had an extra five minutes. So then <clears throat> I'm pushing and pushing. I was like, don't look behind you. Don't look behind you. Keep on pushing. Keep on pushing. The Cooper is coming up on the bike. Sussing me out. He's like looking at me like, you know, nearly. He nearly had a. Uh, what's those yokes that the doctor puts up to your heart up to see how what your heart rate was he was up there and then going back to Mick I don't know if they're what he was telling them or what they were doing but anyway he was going back and forth you know and like whenever I came by and he was there just complete dead silence you'd hear and then so I started I never really looked behind me but this wind against me was killing me and I was like oh, you know we'll see we'll take a bit of look and it didn't matter, like, you know, he was he was a bit behind me, but you just couldn't tell how far it was, if it was 50 or 60 or 70 or what it was. Anyway, so there was a few hills on the second part, and, you know, I was getting up them well, and I felt like I wasn't hearing them, you know, so I felt the gap was still there, and uh, I went past 10 miles then, I believe. Jerry Kiernan was there, and he didn't say any time or anything to me, you know. So, like, uh, anyway, he, I think he said good lad or something. And uh, off I went then. And then it was either just before that or after where a fellow was running. Right? We're in the country roads. There's only one guy here running. There's no one else. I was frustrated here because I'd, I'd surprised the last water station. The lady didn't see me coming and she legged it, grabbed the bottle of water, went to hand it to me and dropped it on the ground. And uh, I went past her and I shouted something. I shouted something anyway and I don't think she heard me thank god but I was very angry about that because I needed the water it was very humid that day and I was like here it is again you know another Rotterdam or another something something's gonna happen here so I'm there up the road and this guy's running he's like oh good man good man I was like how far is he behind me I say to him and he's like oh yeah good man good man (laughs) and I scream how far is he behind me and he just shouts three he just shouts the number three. And I'm there running on. I'm just like, three? This doesn't make sense. Like, And in fairness, like, when I think about it, that he shouted that number at me, I was just uh, thinking about it so much that it probably got me another 800 metres up the road thinking, like, how could, like, three what? Like, you know? So anyway, so eventually then, I, d- I was running the course blind, so the whole up- last bit goes uphill. And then the finish kind of flats off for them for like 40 metres. And I was just pushing and pushing. And then I was getting to people kind of, the crowd were there egging me on. And I knew the course record. 
was on so I pushed up the hill and then got there and then <clears throat> went through the finish line then and it was 63 48 couldn't even throw my hands up to celebrate or anything I was exhausted if anybody saw me after you know and then um yeah that was it after and Mick came in and you came in you Armstrong and a huge PP as well another guy that went through the American system with me moving up to the marathon debut in Dublin so he he's he'll have a good one as well that was a phenomenal marker to get into 64 yeah uh, like just yeah like in this country Pollock. as well yeah yeah and who else Scullion, Scullion. And, and, and Paul Pollock so like uh, so it's the third fastest I suppose uh, this year is the second fastest second fastest uh, Kevin Seward ran nine seconds faster in Barcelona a completely flat course mm-hmm. but you know that, that was like even for Mick that was a great time like, oh brilliant was, yeah, you know I mean? yeah. Six, I think he'd done 64-14 yeah 64-16 uh, or so which is a very good yeah. time and then you 64-30 which just shows that we all work together you know, and um, yeah, what I was just impressed about that I ran it on Irish soil. I think you know, I like I don't know when a half marathon has ran that fast on Irish soil. But it sounds like you're mount- you've mentally come a long way as well. I've just when you were you know, talking about your your first half marathon, you know, you didn't know what to take of it or what to push or what to let go. Well, yeah, here you were racing. Yeah, and then the work like, was done. Yeah, and knowing that there was a wind against me and with five miles to go. Yeah. That was me, and that's why I'm just like really excited for Dublin. I just feel, you know, things are just really coming together now, and it just feels like the doubts are gone. Like all those doubts mm-hmm. in the back of your head just feel like everything's coming together. And like people are saying, you know, I talk to people after, oh, you must be delighted with that time. Yeah, I am delighted with it, but I'm in marathon shape. I'm not in half marathon shape. People need to realize that. Like, I'm in more marathon shape than yeah half marathon shape. So this was just something that came together. Like you know. That was a hundred and forty mile week. This is a combination of everything sort of coming yeah. together on that one thing. So like hundred and forty mile weeks, and even that week that you did, yeah, do you know what I mean? For that time, like you're not on a taper, you know your legs aren't fresh. Mm. Um, yeah. God knows what would have happened like coming into that if it was a half marathon target. Yeah, but this is just a marker on the path to Dublin. So Dublin's your next big. You've got Dublin half actually this weekend. Oh, Dublin half. Uh, this Saturday, um, it's something like, you know, I'm part of Marathon Mission, so I feel like, you know, this is a race I want to do, like, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel, I still am tired, obviously, from the half, and I won't, I haven't done any sessions this week, I've just been doing mileage, but I, I feel it's an it's important race for me, just to see how strong I am up those hills, and um, just to get used to uh, running fast all around that road and stuff for the Dublin Marathon, so... Um, it's something that I want to do. Um, I'm not sure how well I'm going to run. But Sounds like the hills give you a bit of confidence, though. They do, yeah. Because of the training that you've had yeah, in Morocco. Yeah, yeah. see, the, the thing is, what I try to do is that I try to turn uh, weaknesses into strengths. And uh, Dublin Marathon would probably be the last marathon I've ever think I would do well on until I turn those weaknesses into strengths. Mm. You know, I do, I do a lot of hills in Morocco. All my runs are hilly and... Uh, I do like uh, 25 to 30 by 200 meter hill reps with, with really less recovery to get used to. Because the first half of Dublin is quite hilly. Yes. You know, people <laughs> yeah. laugh when people say Dublin's flat. Like, yeah. It's, the first half. It definitely isn't. You know, there's a lot of downhill after that, obviously. Yeah. Um, but getting up through Phoenix Park. That's all up. That's all uphill. So, um, mm. yeah, I'm, lo- I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend, even though I am a bit tired. Um, you know, um, I don't think the big 
the best Irish guys are in it because they all ran Charlesville. But um, there's a very good African that's been that's been running well recently, and we'll see how I go against him. Um, you know, he's seems... coming at a very important time as well. We have sort of Tokyo's on the horizon as well. Yeah. Um, twenty twenty, uh, Olympics, the qualifying has slightly changed. Yeah, so that, it's, hasn't it? so like last Olympics, the standard was two nineteen, and um, uh, two fourteen high and two fi- two guys that ran two fifteen went to the last Olympics, where now the standard is two, eleven thirty, and then the point system, so. So it's completely switched, like, and um, is that more difficult to get in, or does it just change the whole dynamics? It's compl- It's it's just really difficult. I I know, like, it's, I don't really, I I can't really see, like, it just seems like, um, you know, like whatever times around this year, I feel like there's gonna be some guys sitting at home saying that for the last Olympics since the beginning of the time I could have been there, but this Olympics now that I've gotten mm-hmm. in the best shape of my life and around this time I'm here watching at home. That's what I feel a lot of guys are going to be mm. like, you know, because like, I mean, Mick has ran 214.50, you know, if he, if he, I don't know when he ran that exactly, but if that's in the qualifying time, technically he would be going to the Olympics if they're sending three now, if they are picked, but not with this new system. So the new system with the points is that um, if you run a national championship, you get bonus points. So that's why everybody is coming to Dublin this year. Okay. Because if if I if I for example run, um let's say, uh two fourteen and win the national championship and finish in the top eight, overall, um that would give me a very good chance of qualifying for Tokyo. Uh, we had a we had a meeting with Marathon Mission, and, uh, um, mix two fifteen fifty five, and winning the national championship, um in Dublin. Uh, was equivalent to like two thirteen thirty, right? Okay. So that kind of gives you an indication, okay, of what what it can be like. So, but there's gonna be a lot of heads doing a lot of calculations. A lot of calculations, <laughs> you know. I don't think I'll be doing much calculation after the race, but uh, yeah. um, hopefully there'll be nothing left. Yeah. So what would it mean to you to get into Tokyo? Yeah, it just mean everything. Just that all the hard work's paying off, and <clears throat> hopefully, um some sponsors can come from it as well you know a lot of it it's very hard in this country to to be a full-time athlete like and um you know that's why you know i'm glad that i'm able to tell my story here and uh um you know i've just i just put everything into it like i'm really throwing everything in at this dublin marathon so i'm hoping because people don't really understand what you mean by full-time because yeah, it was like 24-7. Yeah, yeah, I just did, uh, you know. breathing. Nobody sleeping. really understands full-time until you do it. So, like, I can explain. You know, a lot of people ask me, is like, what do you do with your day when you're done running? And I was like, like, if you're running 20 miles a day, like, that is your day. Like, you know, you're doing, you're doing strength and conditioning exercises. You're eating healthy. You're staying mm-hmm. hydrated. You're taking a nap every day if you're at altitude. Like, you know you're stretching like that that's the whole day so you're training yeah. recovery it's all part of the package mm. like isn't it yeah like being full-time for me is just like your day being consumed by recovering um getting your runs in you know um eating properly you know getting to the gym keeping on top of injuries massages you know just you know keeping on top well, I heard of heard you said earlier you know it's important to enjoy it yeah and yeah, enjoy it that, of course like, yeah that's the most important thing you wouldn't get through thing. that process if yeah you if didn't you didn't enjoy it. it that's the most you know and 
you know, here's if I had a tip for anybody that's looking to do the marathon, it's we your weekly mileage, you know. Do it's better to do what's comfortable for the body that the body can handle than than pushing all the time. You know? If if you're able to do forty or fifty five uh fifty miles a week comfortably, keep on doing that for a while until the body's well ready and then up it a bit, mm-hmm. you know? Like they always say there's a rule, you know, to never never go up your mileage by more than ten percent a week. You know, that that's something, you know, it's just a basic thing that mm. people can follow. You know, and just enjoy it like, you know, you know, find friends to run with, you know. You know, that's a big difference for me. Like I thought I could do this all on my own. I thought like, you know, this was me. Do this mileage and all on my own. Don't need anybody. But like when you have people to run with, you know, when I can meet up with Gary O'Hanlon and we have the chat and he tells me a story about back in the day and next thing you have ninety minutes on the watch. Mm. They're the they're the days like or you chat to someone that you know, you've you don't really even know that well, but you end up knowing them because like you're running together for for a certain period of time, like, you know. So like it's great. Yeah. David, that's excellent. All the best of luck in Dublin. Thank you. I, I, I think I'll be at the finish line this year. I was meant to be doing my tenth Dublin this year. Um I've decided to go to the finish line instead. Okay. Let everybody else pan it out. Thanks very much. Yeah, Appreciate cheers. that. Whilst doing some research on David, I came across his post on his Twitter account. Love the game more than the glory, the process more than the prize, and the fight more than the finish. I think that encompasses David's attitudes towards the sport. Hope you don't mind me leaving his mum's interruption in. Thought it was important. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.